The information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Resetters, Jessica and I are back with another awesome interview. And what I'm hoping you guys will get from this is I really wanted to bring Dr. Bouchard on to talk about how we create a system of health for ourselves. And it's, I know that a lot of you guys get stuck with this, where especially if you have a scary diagnosis, where you want to figure out how to build a healthy lifestyle, you want to know a way out of that diagnosis. But there's so many possibilities of what you should be doing, and it gets overwhelming. And then when you're overwhelmed, you shut down. So we launched this conversation starting with this idea of how do you create an integrative health plan for yourself? Yeah. Well, and she's like, she had so many brilliant things about creating an integrative plan, but looking at it from a thousand different perspectives of not just your diet, not just fasting, not just green juices, not just IV. Like she she went over a whole broad spectrum of all these amazing things that can be added in to help especially if you're given a diagnosis of cancer. Yeah, agreed. And I don't know if you saw a couple of times in the interview, like you could see because she had so much knowledge. She, and I would ask her, you know, I'm always trying to simplify. Give me the simple answer. Give me, give me the steps. And so I kept trying to do that. And you could tell that she was like, oh, but then there's this and then there's this and then there's this. And so what I kept trying to do is, is take her amazing information and then put it into a formula that you all could follow. And I think you guys will walk away from this podcast and understand the big categories of health that need to be in your integrative health plan. Yeah, I think I think what I loved about it, though, is that she does kind of share, you know, heavy metals. Let's just take that one topic, right? Yeah, we could categorize, categorize it as heavy metals as a piece of your cancer journey. But now let's look at all the metals and where you're getting exposed from all of them. And it can be overwhelming, but I think it's also important that people understand, you know, especially when we have people that are running tests with us, there's so many aspects that we're trying to look at for like one situation. So I think it's important that people see the multiple branches that each category that she touched on has. Like she did that with hormones too, with the Dutch test. So many different areas that you've got to look at. Yeah. And she did the other thing, again, we want our podcast to be something that's usable information, inspires you. You get to listen to these experts, but then you need to, you can walk away from the podcast and have usable information. So we talked about some of the tests she was doing, but then she did such a great job of being like, well, but if you don't do the test, think about this and here are the symptoms you would look at. So that I was so appreciative that she did that because we really want to make this a life-changing podcast for you. So she did a beautiful job of like, here's what the test is, but then here would be the symptoms you would look for. Absolutely. And 
I thought she just did an incredible job with that. So, and then she has some really good like ahas in this. Like when we get to toxins, she, I'm not going to give it away, but she basically was like, well, there's toxic substances and chemicals in our environment. And then there are other toxic things going on. And so we talked about that. And that, that was amazing insight I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, she gave, she gave a multifaceted perspective of many different subjects in this podcast. So I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about who you're going to listen to. So this is Dr. Lori Bouchard. She is in, from Ontario, Canada. This is from her website that she knew at a young age she would enter the healthcare field. Her mother, we talked about this, her mother's physical and emotional vibrancy and seeing her knowledge from natural medicine really inspired Lori. And so she went on to become a naturopathic doctor. And they have this incredible health center that serves the cancer community. So you're, she has a great book out called Live Longer and Live Stronger with Breast Cancer, a step-by-step guide, which I, lo- I love step-by-step. <laughs> that, that is my, that's my jam. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, give me the steps. So we will put a link in the notes for that book. She also, you can go to her website. She has a giveaway. You can get it for free, free, a digital copy. Yeah. So, but let me tell you, I got to read you guys her clinic because there, let me tell you about the services. I'm just going to do the high level services that they offer. They offer acupuncture, blood work, botanical medicine, cancer support, chiropractic, supplementation, colon hydrotherapy, food intolerance testing, heavy metal testing, hormone testing, IV therapy, LDA immune therapy, live blood analysis, ozone sauna, PEMF treatment, cancer retreat, stool analysis, and weight loss. It's awesome. Yeah. And they've got they've got a coffee and juice bar in their clinic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Which if we keep talking about it, we're going to need to put a coffee and juice bar in our clinic. I know. Um, but it, you guys, at the end of this, so what I hope you'll you'll hear is that this the formula she's going to talk about the categories that we discussed to heal a body that has been given a diagnosis of cancer is the same categories you can use for autoimmunity. It's the same categories you can use for preventing cancer. And at the end, you can hear her clinic. So stay tuned all the way through the end because she really dove into that at the end. But enjoy Dr. Bouchard. And for those of you that are tired of us talking about carnivore, we talk all about plants in this one. So <laughs> Hey, recenters. As we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. 
By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled. And let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. Enjoy. Let me tell you a couple of reasons why I'm excited to have this conversation with you. We as a resetter group have been really trying to build what I call a fasting lifestyle. And to me, what a fasting lifestyle means is that you find all different ways of fasting, you look at all different ways of eating, and you you figure out the pieces that you feel like are connecting for you. This is totally different than the way people approach health in general. They're usually looking for that one piece. So what is attractive to me in having this conversation with you is I just want to dive into this concept of integrative health and how we can take many amazing pieces and put them together to create a healing effect in the body. And I know that you're doing that with cancer in a really huge way. So let's just start off by talking a little bit about how you got into the cancer world because you didn't get into the cancer world because you had cancer. You got in because your patient base demanded more information. Is that correct? Exactly. And so my passion for cancer actually started even without even knowing it, even when I was young, when I was probably 12 or 15, when I kept getting sick all the time, my mother started me off just saying, okay, we're going to fast you and we're going to give you supplements every... Hour. She would go on a 12-hour work shift and she would have cups laid out for me, say, take this at 12 o'clock, take this at one o'clock. Take this. And so I'm lying on my couch and just taking these things. And I'm thinking like, mom, why can't I go to the doctors like everybody else oh and just gosh. get this magic pill and these antibiotics. And why can't I have that fixed? Like, why do I have to do all this work and trans? And why can't I have popsicles when I'm sick? And why can't I? And so I really was thrown into this field without thinking. And everyone kind of thinks their moms are crazy from the beginning, right? They think like, why am I not taking a medication when I'm sick? Right. And so it really started to open my eyes when even in high school, through, like I was never sick. I never really got ill. And when I did, I knew to step back from food, step back from things that are really just like wearing my system down and let my body rest. And I feel like that's totally lost now where people are just looking for that quick remedy, right? Oh my so. gosh. I, I feel like you and I were raised in the same household. One thing I wanted as a, as a kid was, what were those fruit roll-ups? 
Do you remember <laughs> fruit roll-ups? And all the kids would take them and wrap them around their hand and like finger and like lick on them. And my mom was like, nope, it has sugar as the number one ingredient. You can't have it. And so I would actually like, we would sit down and kids would trade food back then. I don't think kids trade food anymore, but they, we would trade food and nobody wanted to trade food with me because I would have almost consistently like an orange and a rice cake sandwich with the peanut butter that was all oily and honey because they didn't even make they didn't even make jam and I was thought I was traumatized and now I realize it was like the greatest gift my mom gave me well, I remember my friends, or maybe not my friends, but ones that were in the class are like, look at, she's a dinosaur. She has sprouts in her sandwich. Why is she grass? <laughs> and even my like Rice Krispies were made with like sesame seeds and hemp hearts and all these other things. And you do oh feel like an outcaster. You're like, yep. why? <laughs> so traumatizing. How grateful are you now though? Like you had a, it's like you had a foundation It's that you can't undo. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's why too, even like all the cancer patients that come into the clinic, when they tell me, I don't know why I have cancer. I've been healthy my entire life. I'm like, listen, like I felt like I've been healthy, quote, healthy my entire life, but I still wouldn't be surprised if I got cancer, right? Like mm, knowing yep. the rates are one out of every two people, it's like we're so misguided. And for us to have the upbringing being like a one percentile that had that upbringing, it's like we know that there's so much more to health than, yep. right? Than having those. Yeah. And I, you know, I had a good friend who had five brain tumors and I was talking to him about cancer and he, he was a chiropractor and really passionate about health. You guys might know him, Dr. Charlie Majors. Mm -hmm. I think your husband, your husband, isn't your husband a chiropractor? Yeah. With ML. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he was with ML. So he would, he told me that, the, and there was no like, like, anger towards his cancer. There was no, how did I get into this situation? He had boiled it down to a very simple concept, which was how did a healthy cell, how did my healthy cells turn into a cancer cell? And if I could figure that out, then I could reverse some of them and I could stop making these more cancer cells once I figure that formula out. Do you think it's that yes. simple? Yeah. And so when we're like, as a society searching for the cure for cancer, it's like, no, there'll never be one magic bullet, one magic cure, because it's so true. It's so multidimensional. There's so many factors that go on. So doing that research and picking apart, okay, what are actually turning these oncogenes on? What's actually turning off these tumor suppressor genes? Knowing we all have the predisposition to, cause, to have cancer in the body, what is it specifically that's turning these things on, right? So doing that investigation work and really looking at lifestyle, toxicity, hormone, insulin resistance, like the whole paradigm of it. So to say it's simple, no, but you definitely need that integrative team to look at all those aspects because it's not just one thing, right? It's right. never just the cure. That's the hard part. And this is what I really want to dive into because like, even if you just go back at the people I've been interviewing on this podcast, we're having a debate in our community about carnivore versus keto. And then we've got the vegetarians. And then there's a debate on which fast, how long should I fast and which supplement should I take? And what I've been trying to really emphasize is that there's a paradigm here. There's a formula that you, if you start to see what the pieces are, you'll start to create your own path back. 
But with the cancer patient or, or anybody, let's just make sure that we're make people understand that any chronic disease, any autoimmune condition, I think are probably similar. And with that piece, there is a moment of like, oh shit, I just got this diagnosis. Yeah. And then I've got to put 10, 15, 20 pieces together to overcome that diagnosis. There is a that is a big journey and a and a huge hurdle mentally to to grasp. Help us understand what those pieces are and how do we go from a place of a scary diagnosis to a plan of action that will give you hope again. So that's such a good question because I kind of look at the people that come in to see me in the clinic. There's usually two groups. The one that's the most common are the ones that have done all the chemo, done the surgery, exhausted all of the conventional routes. And they say, okay, none of that has worked for me. Now what can you do? Mm. So I'm kind of like their last resort of like, okay, let's try out this uh, looking at the body thing and how it heals. Let's start looking into that. So basically when someone comes to me in that group, they're the ones where it's like, okay, you have been toxified way too much, way too many, too much toxicity in your system. So you're actually way sicker now than you were even when you first got mm. diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, that's so true. What's so interesting is the one cancer, there's actually quite a few, the ones that we did heavy metal testing on them just to see like, even though they say, oh, I was never a smoker. I never had any drugs inside my system, except for the times that I did chemo four years ago. So there's no way that that could still be lurking. But it is. Our body holds yep. on to that stuff. And so for them to see that on a blood work and say, wow, like my mercury is through the roof. My lead is through the roof. All of these are barium. So even if they haven't had an MRI or imaging for years, it's still in their system, right? Yep. So that's kind of like number one. Let's see what is still in your body that's causing so much inf inflammation and what can we do to remove that, right? We see a lot of barium in our heavy metal tests as well. And they're all coming from these diagnostic medical tests, which is so, so interesting. What Just before you go on to the other pieces, what is the connection between heavy metals and cancer? Is there, I mean, other than making the mitochondria sick, are there... Is there another way to look at that? Is it turning genes on? That's exactly. And so it's mainly if you look at cancers and mitochondrial disease, right? And then when it comes to that inflammatory process. And then also what I found too is even more like the quality of life symptoms. So when people just can't get their iron up, they're just chronically anemic. I've had patients where they're, they're getting transfusions every single month because they cannot build up their hemoglobin. And as soon as we get do a heavy metal protocol and we start stripping away these things that are blocking absorption their whole immune system and their whole blood count just starts to perk up. So really, like if you think of like cancer as, yeah, the tumor is there, but what else is feeding that tumor? What's the enzymes around it doing and the inflammation around it? So getting rid of it is not just looking at the cancer, but it's like you living with the cancer, right? Right, right, right. And, I, and I've, the patients that we've had that have had cancer, I think a lot of them, that the, the ones that do the best are the ones that have that kind of mindset that it's not an overcome moment. It's how do I live with it so that I can, I can you know, stretch my life out. And, and in that process, they overcome it. It's just a little, it's like going in the back door. So, okay, what else? Tell, tell me what, what else other outside of toxins that, that destroy the cell? What else do we need to look at? So definitely I run the Dutch Hormone 
panel on every single cancer patient. And this is good for even if you don't have cancer, just to know because your hormones, and if you're not breaking down estrogen properly, estrogen is a very um, proliferative hormone. So it actually tells cells to divide and divide. So Everyone, male, female, has estrogen in the body. And if we're not breaking it down into the proper form, so there's three main types of estrogen metabolites. So if your 4-hydroxy and 16-hydroxy are just through the roof, that is something that we need to change to make the ratio into the 2-hydroxy. So that for everyone, because even like not just hormonal cancers, right? Like people may think, oh, it's not prostate or breast cancer or endometrial, but hormones in general, like you should not have an estrogen dominant picture for any health condition, even if it's just PMS and menstrual cramps, right? Yeah. I, we, I love the Dutch test. And I, when I first understood the power of it, I was like, oh my gosh, if we could get this in every woman's hands, we could stop uh, hormone cancers, breast, ovarian, because we'd be able to see those metabolites. Like to me, that's the most powerful part of that test is those metabolites. And you can course correct if you know that the 16-OH and the 4-OH are really high and maybe you don't have enough 2-OH. It's really powerful. And you would think too, even where a lot of women, if they have low estrogen, like post-menopause, they think, oh no, my, or I'm on this letrozole hormone or uh, things to block, like aromatase inhibitors to block estrogen. It's like, no, but your metabolites could still be, even if low levels of estrogen, still be breaking up in the wrong way, right? Right. And I also think that people should realize that it's not, again, just for cancer, there's so many things I've found on there that will are, are insightful. It tests your adrenals. And it does also look at like testosterone. I can't tell you how many people I've sat with that have low testosterone. And when I explain those symptoms, they're like, yeah, that's me. It looks at the DHEA. Like, it's such a cool test. I love it's it. It's so cool. And the other one too is oxidative stress and oh, melatonin. So Mel- melatonin... Yep knowing it's not just for sleep, right? Like what it does actually for cancer signaling and hormone regulation and yeah, and for sleep too. But yeah, it's such a powerful test, right? And for them to see that in front of them, like, wow, like things you would never know unless you actually tested it out. So do you think you can balance hormones without a test? Like, do you think it's, you can create lifestyle changes that will work and balance your hormones without knowing which ones you want to balance? Yeah. So definitely taking a thorough intake. And like you said, with testosterone, like, are you depressed because you have low testosterone or low estrogen? So you can make a lot of, you can guess a lot of times and like really take a thorough intake and make a big difference, even by helping with insulin levels and stress and cortisol, how that affects the sex hormone pathway, right? So absolutely, you can make like, I would say 80% of the changes without having to do that test. So even what I like to do with people is even like put them on a good month plan of really cleaning up their system and then see, okay, now let's get to like the nitty gritty of this pathway and see where your system, like things you just wouldn't know unless you test. What I often do is say to people, do the heavy metal test first, because once you clear that out, you will start to see your hormones shift. Are you, do you find that as well? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of the things that you even do to help with heavy metals is really just bringing down inflammation too, right? And so Mm -hmm. if you think of like taking that stress off the body, how everything just kind of starts to fall into place, it's pretty incredible. 
Yeah. So, okay. So we have toxicity that needs to be addressed and heavy metals being some of the worst. Any other toxins that you would say that the person with a big, scary diagnosis needs to think about other than heavy metals? So when I think for when you first said that, what I think about toxins is even just like toxic people. Oh people gosh. That, <laughs> yes. well, are, even just like is there a test for that? Yeah. Wait, I need a, I need like a radar for that that I could just like go along and like <laughs> right? Because I have some people who like they have the perfect day. They write down everything they have, what they eat in a day, what the supplements, like they have this big like pharmacy of supplements they're taking. But I'm like, you are in this marriage or you're in this work environment that is so toxic and your cortisol is through the roof. Like, how is your immune system supposed to perform in that way? So really looking at like the mindset and what their belief systems are and what like how they deal with that stress, right? So yeah. I would say that's like over half of the toxicity question there. I had a uh, friend who was, she was wanted to have her second child. And she, the first time, first child, she had some miscarriages. Second child, they weren't, they were struggling to get pregnant. And so she started to ask me questions about that. And of course, I started to think about like heavy metals and lifestyle, but this woman's lifestyle was impeccable. So she finds uh, a fertility specialist, a natural fertility specialist in San Francisco. And he gives her this like 100-page questionnaire. She fills it all out. He sits down with her for three hours. And he looks at her at the end of three hours of talking to her about her life. And he says you just need to chill out. You've got, you've (laughs) just got to relax and you've got to surround yourself with positive people. And he's like, I have nothing for you other than that. And she called me up. She goes, can you believe that that's what he recommended? And I was like, yeah, I can. And (laughs) so she did. And within a couple of months, she was pregnant. Amazing, right? It's the power of just like chilling out. And yeah. and I get it. Like when you're hit with any kind of diagnosis, there's a lot of, or even infertility, like you said, anything where it's just like, oh, why can't I do it? It's like the stress of not being able to change it and being stuck with that diagnosis, but the stress alone. And even like what we're experiencing with COVID, right? Like how... Right awful is that stress and that mindset of just like being in fear. So even having that different perspective and knowing, okay, maybe if I just step back and breathe and my body has that intuition to start healing itself. Yeah. How long do you think it takes to, for people to kind of figure out their toxic load? Because we started with that as like going from your diagnosis to toxicity and I know people with cancer who have gone home from, from the doctor's office and have like gone into their cabinets and just took everything out. And then I know other people that are like, they're, they're more overwhelmed detoxifying their life than they are with the diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you mean like as far as stress of yeah, just how learning? Do we give, yeah, how do we give people strategies for that? Like I, like I give people the Think Dirty app, you know, or Skin Deep, like look at your beauty products. But how do we help people see a, a clear path for detoxifying their life? And, I, you know, I always say my specialty is not um, mindset or therapy work. So I don't know if I have a, a lot of advice for detoxing people, but detoxing the chemicals out of your life is a big daunting task. Yeah. And I think exactly like it can be so overwhelming. So even if they like people just take one day at a time to say, okay, I'm going to look at my cookware today. 
what can I substitute that with and not have the exposure to aluminum or maybe today I'm just going to look at my beauty supplies. I'm going to look at the ingredients on my shampoo and say, okay, are there laurel sulfate? Is there chemicals in there? And so having those apps and those resources of like what words you need to look for, because yeah, it can be overwhelming. We're like, oh my gosh, there's no hope for me in this really toxic world. But doing things just like one at a time, I feel like as you're integrating because it's... And then also too, I see where people are having this like really strict diet and then they feel so guilty if they have something that's off. Like that guilt alone, I'm like, oh, that just like enjoy it, have it. And then tomorrow's a new day, like keep moving forward, right? But that guilt... so true. Oh, we see that with our resetters all the time. They get like, I, I get them off looking at the scale and I get them to the blood sugar reader and they're like banging at the blood sugar reader now. Like, and I'm like, no, come on, let's just, let's enjoy the journey. So that's such, such an important spot. Yeah, exactly. And then even the cortisol alone, like you could be fasting, but then if you're high stress, your liver is going to produce that sugar. So it's like, yep. what's the point of fasting if you're so stressed about it? So, right. Have you ever wore one of those continuous glucose monitors? No, no, I haven't. So I wore one and I'm actually interviewing on the podcast a woman who is who has one that they're putting out mass production for not diabetics. It's actually for people like you and me and our patients to be able to read their blood sugar numbers. But what my takeaway was, so was, I wore it for a month and a friend of mine had her daughter had diabetes and had upgraded to a new monitor. So she was like, here, why don't you take the old one? So I did and I I had a couple ah ahas. One is I wore it on a five-day water fast. And on day three, my blood sugar just went crazy. I was like, okay, I haven't eaten in three days. What the heck is going on? And I think it was gluconeogenesis. It was just my body dumping sugar. So I was like, okay, it went up for about two hours and then it went down to a whole new low. My other takeaway was when I eat fat, it makes my blood sugar stable. Sometimes it even made it drop. But the third takeaway, and to your point, was stress and what it did to my blood sugar. So I be I was sitting at the kitchen table one morning and my teenage daughter came in and we got in a little bit of an argument. And I looked down after she left at my meter and it was up like 30 points. <laughs> right? I, hadn't, I hadn't even been eating. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the one big thing that we don't... And yeah, a lot of people have very stressful jobs or stressful relationships. And so it's being aware that that is just as shifting as food would be, right? So yeah, yeah, so that's really... I would love to do that test just to understand who who triggers me the most. Right. Who I need to to quarantine away from. (laughs) Oh my God, that's a great idea. I never thought to use it as like a sensor for toxic people. You go around and be like, I just want to see what you're doing to my blood sugar. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Okay, well, when I get a hold of one, I'll let you know. And we'll, we can do a little self-study. I love that idea. And that's like a big part in the clinic too. We really create an atmosphere where they're stepping out of their routine because we realize like the act of changing your whole life around and doing things like sticking to a protocol can be very stressful. Like if you're told to go home and juice and go home to do these things that take a lot of energy, we want to create that environment where you can just sit back and relax and not have those stressful interactions and be around people that are really just supporting you, right? And that's what everyone should thrive for is be around people that are uplifting. Yeah, agreed. So, okay. So now I'm going to say we have 
toxins and toxic people in step number one. So if we go, and then step number two was looking at your hormones and you're, you deal, do you deal with all cancers or are you pretty much doing breast cancer? All cancers, all, all of cancers. them. So yeah. do you, do you look at hormones with all cancers or just the breast and ovarian? All of them. So because like what you said too, the Dutch test will look at the cortisol and adrenal health too. So even for like renal cell carcinoma, like any cancer across the board, you want to know how the adrenals and sex hormones and even the oxidative stress, I do that hormone on, or that panel on pretty much everyone. Yeah. It's such a fun, it's such an insightful panel. Okay. So now take us to the next step. After you were like helping someone look at their toxic environment, we're helping them with their hormones. What other pieces or steps can we start to implement? So the other thing is I, I like looking at stool testing too. So gut health. Right. And it's so much more beyond than just like, do you have a parasite in your gut? Because we know that in the stool test, so if you can check through DNA, it can look at viral load. It can look at bacteria like dysbiosis. It can look at your immune system and even digestive, digestive health. And so we know a lot of cancers are actually stemmed from certain bacteria. So like H. pylori in gastric cancer or HPV in cervical cancer. So we want to know what kind of lingering infection is in your system. And a lot of that can be tested through a stool test. So if we can get that piece of it and say, okay, why is this throwing your system off in the first place? What can we do for your microbiome and biome and really get it balanced so you can have that strong foundation? Do you find a lot of E. coli and parasites with, with your cancer patients? Or do you find more a lack of good bacteria? Both. So it's actually really shocking when I have someone who their stool test comes back pretty clean. I'm like, oh, that, that that's amazing. That's yeah. that happens. But for the most part, there's always something that's lingering in their system. And so finding out what we can do to kind of clean out and for like you don't have to do the stool testing to know that. We can almost always assume that most of us have parasites, most of us yeah. are exposed to bad bacteria, but it's more of the good flora that we want to make sure like that's where you can be specific and say, Oh, I'll take this specific type of probiotic with these strains because that's where I'm low on on the test. Yeah. That's where the stool tests have come far, right? They have really... Which one do you use? The GI map through Designs for Health. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones out there. And I I just find that that is also a very insightful piece. So, And what do you think with diet? How much of diet plays a part in being able to balance your hormones and being able to repair your microbiome? Are there diet changes people can make to handle both of those things? Yeah, I would say that's everything. Besides from everything we just talked about, but right. <laughs> right. it wasn't for those things too. But no, diet is huge. And I know a big part of what you're what you talk about is fasting, right? So it's not even like what you're eating, it's when you're when you're eating it and putting in that condensed window. So even for controlling insulin, and we know insulin is a growth factor. So the diet that you can go on as far as like low sugar load and certain cancers do respond better to more of like a ketogenic, low insulin promoting diet. But for the most part, if you can follow low glycemic, that is such a big plus for anyone fighting controlling cancer. And even when it comes to like going into chemo, there's tons of studies showing fasting even for 24 hours before your chemo yep. session makes your cells 30% more responsive to that treatment. So something yeah. so simple where it's like, okay, avoid certain foods or certain things that spike your insulin levels, the outcome is drastically better. Uh, have you seen there's the study done on women who have breast cancer? If they moved 
through traditional care and then came out of that with a clean bill of health, which oftentimes can be like a temporary clean bill of health, that if they started implementing a fasting lifestyle, so they did intermittent fasting every day, somewhere as little as 13 hours a day, they made that their go-to fast, that they had 70% less reoccurrence of breast cancer. Isn't that powerful? It is so powerful. And like you said, it wasn't like 17-hour fasting. I think the study was like 12 to 14 hours of fasting a night drastically improves your relapse rate, right? Like or preventing relapse. Yeah. So that's huge. So we just know the power of controlling insulin and yeah, strengthening your system. Yeah, I have a patient who just went through the more traditional path of handling her breast cancer. And then she, <laughs> she ended up going to a nutrition class at Kaiser. And I thought, oh God, what's this going to be like? Like, I can't even imagine. And she came back and told me that they told her to start intermittent fasting because of that study. That is so cool. cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I wanted to share just some really exciting... Just today, actually, I had a patient bring back an ultrasound report. He, from the start, never wanted to do anything conventional. He has renal cell carcinoma. So he had this tumor and he never wanted... He's like, no way. If I get surgery to take this out, I just know people where their their cancer just exploded. Cancer cells were just kind of flourishing and it went everywhere. So like, I want to do everything natural. So this was about a year, two years ago where he came into the clinic and I'm like, this is amazing. Do everything, including fasting. Let's look at his hormones, like clean his system up. So just today we got his ultrasound report back. He actually has no blood vessel activity going to this tumor, nothing. And it's actually degrading. So it's not even like the cancer's gone. Like technically the tumor's kind of, it's there, but when there's no Doppler uh, blood flow going to it, there's no problem. Right. So it's really cool to see when you're kind of like the first resort to see like, what does natural medicine do? And what kind of like, what does fasting do? And what does all these, you almost get like shocked when you see like, wow, the power of just like helping this tumor just disintegrate and go away without any other intervention. Right. Yeah. Well, I always say that when a cancer cell, uh, when when the mitochondria becomes dysfunctional and it changes the internal environment in inside a cell, now that cell will go rogue. So this intelligence that we've been born with is like it it can't work as well once it has turned into a cancer cell. But when you do things like fasting and all the things that you apply, now you are able to kick that intelligence back in and then the intelligence can figure it all out from there, which is really mind-blowing and we just don't talk enough about it. Well, I was going to even loop back to what we were just talking about at the beginning where it's like we were raised to know like what we put in our body really does make a difference. So to to teach people from they had no idea that and like the power and the state, everything that's really showing how their body can change around, it's like it's so amazing when you actually see it happening, right? Yeah, it's our, our bodies are miraculous, and I I don't get why doctors aren't standing up and talking about that. It just we need to believe in our bodies again. It's it drives me crazy. So okay, so we've got the toxicity issue. We've got hormones that need to be handled. We've got a gut that needs to be addressed. We've got insulin that needs to be managed. What else? What other pieces? So if like you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, I'm in a state of cancer. I was given a scary diagnosis. What other pieces do we need to look at to be able to help these people put an integrative plan together? So the other piece is not just about 
fasting and restricting. It's really about in those eating windows, blasting your system with nutrition. So what are these like high dense foods? What are these like juicing would be a really important one, tons of greens, things that are full of vitamins and minerals. I think even people who have a really like they eat a lot all the time, they can be so nutrient deprived, right? And so looking at what you're actually putting in your body, not just as, oh, there's the food. No, we want to know, is it full of nutrients? What kind of micro minerals are in there that make all these cells talk to one another and activate our immune system? So getting on a protocol where it's real, real foods. What do you think with juicing? Because do you have to be careful of not doing the high sugar? Like, is that theory that a cancer will live off of sugar? Is that still considered valid. So do you have to be careful of what kind of juicing you do? Yeah, exactly. So with Gerson, like the Gerson method where they would have like three liters of greens a day, I know that there's tons of testimonials saying like that's what saved their life. But Mm -hmm. I tend to be more on the other side where I say it is a huge sugar load and we know insulin does is a growth factor and drives cancer cells. So yeah, just doing high sugars or high juices all the time, like I don't I don't love that approach, but to get the basic foundations of getting those juices in your system in a smaller amount. So in the clinic, what we would promote is even getting at least 500 milliliters of pure greens juice, whether it is celery, lemon, beets, carrots, like even the higher sugar ones, but Mm -hmm. still those nutrients are so important for your immune system. And on an empty stomach, do you think they're more powerful? Like it could be a really good thing for a patient who has cancer to break a fast with a juice like that? Would you, would it be more easily absorbed on an empty stomach? Exactly. And so what we see here in the clinic is where people would come here for the week. We actually only have them having juices and fibers and enzymes, things that are just like so easily simulated in the body, only within like a six hour window and the rest of the time they're fasting. So they do like an eight eighteen six. They do, yeah. That's a great combination. I could see where that would be really healing for somebody's body. Yeah. So you're taking both parts, right? Like you're not getting rid of just the fasting part. Like you're really integrating both, like maximizing strength. Because a lot of people that come in, they're so deprived, like they're so depleted and just knocked down from whatever drug that they've been on or whatever routine that they've been on. So really to nourish them and give them those building blocks, which even if it's just like straight up amino acids too, like things that are just like amino acid powder to break down easily and they can help repair muscle tissue. So both, both are so important. Do they struggle? Like if so, again, this is the other like mind, like bending thought I've been having lately, which is how do we get people from the standard American diet to, to do like what you're recommending there? Now, if you get a diagnosis, your motivation goes way up, which is why it, it works so well for your patients. But what is that transition like over to fasting for 18 hours and drinking juice? Are they... Are they, do they struggle? <laughs> so, yo, yeah. So the first three days, they're like, I hate my life even more because it's so challenging. And then they're getting all these like, they're just feeling lethargic. And I think too, we don't give enough power into rest, right? Like we think we have to keep going and like keep going on to the next thing. But if we say, wow, you're stepping into this new regime, your body's going to do things to start eliminating getting and detoxifying and Fasting on its own is really tough if you're used to getting sugar loads every hour, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Stepping into a program the first three days is, it's not easy. So really acknowledging it and saying, yeah, this is going to be tough. I can go have naps. I can go relax. I can let my body do this process. But I think for people to be fully aware that it's not going to be like 
No, it's not. You're not going to feel great the first three days. But then it's like day four and five. It is phenomenal. The changes that you see where it's like their spirits are up, their energy's up, their clear minds uh, focus is up. It's so motivating for them to continue. But yeah, that first three days, it just sucks. Really. Yeah. And you tell them that ahead of time. Get ready. This is going to suck. Well, I mean, yeah, I do. But, <laughs> but a lot of people would be scared away from that too, right? Yeah. They think like, oh, I don't want to do work to get my health better. Like I just want these treatments and to make me feel better right away. But yeah, when they're in here, we say this is going to be tough. And yeah, that's why let your body rest and relax. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man. One of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Choose your tough is what I always say. Choose your tough, like choose your hard. Is it harder to live in a body that is building disease and exhausted or is it harder to make a shift over to a healthier lifestyle? And in my opinion, that shift is a temporary hard. Whereas living in a body that's in with disease or is not feeling good, that's a long-term hard. So it, choose what hard you want to partake in. Exactly. And I love that you spread that message to everyone, even if you don't have a diagnosis of something. It's like, wow, you could feel even that much better. Whatever your goal is, you can help them reach that. So I tend to see the ones that are just desperate and, okay, I don't want to have cancer anymore. I don't want to have this condition. So their motivation is a lot higher. But honestly, just to know like that you could transform your whole life and feel that much better is so powerful. So yeah, pain usually does make us adapt quicker and forces us into it. But even without the pain, you can just feel that much more amazing. Yeah, I had an experience with a patient who came to me when she was 40 and she had gotten a routine mammogram, just went in for a routine mammogram, found out she had cancer and like two months later was in radiation chemo and then ended up in my office around that time. And one of the things I said to her, and I was, this was gosh, this was like 12 years ago. No, it was probably 15 years ago. One of the things I said to her was, okay, tell me what you're eating. And she's like, well, what do you mean? What am I eating? 
And I was, I was like, well, like, you know, there's certain foods that build cancer. And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, now let's pause for a moment. She has been given a diagnosis. She went through all the chemo radiation and nobody talked to her about food. And so I said to her, so, you know, let me show you the ingredients that we know. And this is a long time ago. We know so many more now that build cancer. And she looked at them and she looked at me and she said, do you mean that when I walk into Safeway, which is a grocery store around here, the foods in there aren't safe? <laughs> I was like, yep, no. that's, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> so no. I, right? It's really, really hard. Again, as we're trying to help our audience like create an integrative health plan, I think this idea of food can be your best friend or it can be your worst enemy. It's so powerful. And you're exactly right because no one is told that by their oncologist. What oncologists do tell them is keep your weight up. So if you have to eat Doritos, eat Doritos. If you're craving that pumpkin pie, go eat that because we need you not to lose weight anymore. So they're never educated on, okay, wow, like I could actually feel okay throughout this process of chemo and radiation. Like I could actually not be lying in bed for the whole time if I just fed my body the right thing. So they, like people can't expect to get that information from the conventional world because they maybe just don't... I don't know why. Why they don't talk about it because it's so... Yeah, it's such a like mind-blowing thought for hospitals to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So outside of juicing, again, let's let's talk a little bit to the person who wants to prevent cancer or the person who maybe got an autoimmune diagnosis. Outside of fasting and juicing all day long, what yeah. other nu- what other nutrients? I mean, that stuff's great temporarily. You can you could go 18-6 fasting a very long time, but in that eating window, what else besides juice? do you think is really nourishing for us? So there's a couple of things. One thing that could even tackle heavy metals are just all the green foods. So I was raised on chlorophyll, liquid chlorophyll. You can literally just add that to your water and drink that every day to constantly start to chelate things that are just not protecting your system. So to help get rid of that. And like chlorella would be another one, spirulina. I love to just start my day with something like that, where you're just knowing that you're getting that foundational piece. So anything green is huge. All the right? greens. Yeah. 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 What about meat? I, I'm just kind of curious because there's a big debate on meat and, and especially on our platform. But what are your thoughts on meat for the cancer patient or for you know just people in general? So in general... Anyone that has a hormonal cancer has to be 90% vegetarian. Like they drastically have to cut back anything that's hormone driven. Um, And I get asked a lot too. It's like, oh, what if it's antibiotic free, hormone free, all of that? It's it's still animal product. And so the studies that do show that is mainly for breast cancer and the China study that I'm sure you've heard about too, obviously. But yeah, and so not all cancers need to be vegan, vegetarian, but definitely more the hormonal the hormonal ones. And it, but then some do the, uh, the exact opposite where like brain cancers really do thrive off of a ketogenic type diet where they're, they have to lower the amount of insulin in the body, right? So they thrive off ones that are just more stable and without the sugar, the sugar load. 
So knowing your cancer makes a big difference in knowing what foods you need to eat is what I heard there. Exactly. And that's just like any conditions like, oh, if you have... And I hear that too, where patients are inundated with advice from their family members and like, oh, I know a friend that had cancer and they did this. It's like, okay, well, maybe that worked for them and their specific type. And even looking at genetics too, right? Like how does your body Mm -hmm. break down these carbs and what kind of um, susceptibility do you have? But no, personalizing every... And even within breast cancer, for example, there's so many subtypes of breast cancer. So even just like what worked for them, yeah, it might be a totally different diet and meal plan and protocol for someone else. Do you think somebody can go keto and be plant-based? Like, is there a way to mix those two so that you're getting the benefits of keto, but you're also getting the benefits of plant-based? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I, that's probably one of my most recommended Mm. diets where you, because being vegetarian, I've seen a lot of really unhealthy vegetarians where they're more yeah, like, I have two pasta, pastatarians. Yeah. <laughs> right? Carbitarians. Yep. Yeah, I, was, even- well, I was one actually in my twenties, I got chronic fatigue syndrome because I was a carbitarian. And once I switched just to a balanced diet, I did so much better. Right. And I even see like there's bakeries where they're like, oh, we're gluten-free and vegan, but it's like, it's all just garbage and sugar, right? So it's like, yeah, they're following one, I would almost look at it as like their fad diets, right? But really looking, okay, is it made up of tons of sugar? Because really like for your health wise, you may as well just have that non-vegan or gluten cookie, right? Right. Yeah. And give us an example of like a meal because this is another question we get a lot of like somebody who you're trying to keep their insulin down, but you're going plant-based. So you're keeping meat out of the picture. What, what, like, give me an example of some of the things they would eat in a day. So I'm like, especially with my kids too. So feeding three children who are super picky eaters, I try to make everything into like a hamburger form or in like a pancake form. So I would do a lot of like lentil burgers. Mm. So then you can mix that with flax seeds. I would try to sneak in like sweet potato. I know sweet potatoes are tend to be more higher carb, but choosing things, even like purple potatoes, choosing, um, trying to sneak in vegetables that way. Um, But I would mix lentils, black beans, like chickpeas, the things that tend to be higher in fiber as well. So I would even mix in like psyllium hulls in there too. So Mm. kind of balances out that sugar spike that you would normally get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and talk about that. Talk about that a little bit, just so people understand the power of fiber on your blood sugar. Yeah, so if you look at the um, carbohydrate load on the nutrition facts, even if it's like fifty grams of carbs, you want to look at how much fiber is in that nutritional fact as well. So just say it's forty-eight grams of fiber. Really, you have a net of two for carbohydrates. Right. And so you, if you're high fiber count, then that's actually really balancing how sugar is being dumped into the bloodstream. So anything that you want to put like psyllium with your meals, or I like to add flax seeds and pumpkin seeds, uh, hemp hearts, chia seeds, anything that really slow down that transition. Mm-hmm. So whether you even like steel cut oats or having fruit in the morning, um, I just sprinkle that on everything because you're going to feel that much more energy and not get that sugar crash a few hours later. Yeah. I, my favorite are the hemp hearts. I, I put that, I put them on my salads. I put them on everything I can possibly find. And it's like chocolate. Yeah, it's, I was gonna say, like, if you look at the fiber load on them like, and protein load, it's so it's massive very, protein. Yeah, 
an easy put, way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sneak, so I sneak that into my salads and then I sneak sauerkraut into my salads. So a, you take a big green salad and then I'll just pour some sauerkraut in there and mix it up. So it's not, you can't taste it very much well. And then I give it to my teenage son. He doesn't even know what he's eating. Amazing. <laughs> he's like, it's amazing. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like victory. Like after <laughs> dinner and he didn't say anything, he ate a salad. I'm like, wow, that was awesome. So <laughs> yeah. what, what do you think of uh, fermented foods? Because I, you know, I, I like this, you know, plant-based idea for healing. And there are a lot that we can use. And fermented foods not only have good probiotics, but I don't know if you've heard a lot of discussion in the carnivore world about plants being toxic. I've interviewed two people here, which is a concept that has blown my mind and I'm trying to wrap my head around. And this one guest, Dr. Bill Schindler, is a food anthropologist. And he said, if you ferment the vegetables, that that's how you can get around the toxins. Are you, are you a fan of fermented foods? Do you use it a lot with your uh, therapies? Every day. So yeah, because we all know like probiotics are such a great way to get the healthy bacteria in your gut, but even better is have the prebiotics and all the fermented foods. So the sauerkraut is such a good example because it's so easy just to have a big jar of the fermented cabbage, add a big spoonful every day and the things that really build the microbiome. Like if you think of even our immune system, right? Like just doing something so simple like that, just doing a big scoop of sauerkraut or the one th- like for uh, kombucha, so it's fermented... For kombucha, the only person I would say, okay, don't overdo that is if you have a lot of candida or that dysbiosis in the gut. So you can overdo it with some of the fermented foods. So people who have like a thick white coat on the tongue or brain fog, or they just feel off, looking at your candida load is important, not overdoing. But in general, fermented foods are such a fantastic way to build your immune system and the microbiome. Do you give people an, uh, a food idea when they leave? Because they come to your clinic and they go through this experience of juicing and fasting. And, and then when they leave, they got to learn how to eat like a normal life, right? So do you give people ideas like, here's your food plan, here's what you do? Yeah, exactly. Because they're like, what? And when they're told like, don't eat this, don't eat this. It's like, it's totally overwhelming. And it's so different than what they're used to. So exactly. We'll have meal plans even just for the weekends that they're not here. So Monday to Friday, they'll be here. And then Saturday, Sunday, we'll say, okay, this is what you make, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and even how to make like bone broths out of their Instapod or what the meals... And then we would have like week by week meal plans. So whether it means like two days of, okay, increasing your carb load, but then those five days of more keto style. So I'm huge on diet variation and and always switching things up. But yeah, giving those meal plans so people think, oh, I can make these fun things. And yeah. Uh, it's Once you wrap your head around it, they can be so fun. Do you think that the, when if you just look at all the cancer patients you's, you've worked with over the years, do you feel like there was a lack of nutritional knowledge prior to the diagnosis? Oh, 100%. I would say everyone, every single person thinks they're healthy coming in. They're like, I am totally shocked. I got, and there's a lot of really like young patients too, where right. they just thought they were healthy. They didn't really have any of like, and they would explain their diet. And I would be like, okay, like as soon as they explain breakfast, I'm like, okay, let's just, <laughs> I've, yeah. heard I've heard right. enough. <laughs> Don't tell me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we can stop. <laughs> Yeah. And it is such a miseducation because they don't know. And if their mothers raised them that way and they were told that way, like it's just really, they don't know any difference. So, and what part do you think? I mean, 
you're in Canada, I'm in America, but uh, like what I think we've, our horrible food system has now bled over to you guys. So what do you think, what part do you think the food industry plays in that? Because I, I have so much compassion for people who are just walking into the grocery store buying food based off of how it tastes. They don't realize that there's cancer producing chemicals in those foods. You know, do you you think this is like a problem of the food industry? Where do you think that breakdown is happening? Yeah, it's both the marketing too. When you think of like, oh, it's fat free or the marketing's huge. And also people are really um, gravitated things that are easy, right? So it's like, it's easy to put together. It's already pre-made or I just like put in the microwave or things that are just super simple. People are driven by convenience typically, but also the marketing. Like there's a lot of really corrupt agencies out there that just want to sell their cocoa puffs to kids. And it's horrible. Like It's so toxic. And you're right. It's really sad to see that in the grocery store when you're not judging what other people have in their carts, but you're just kind of looking like, oh, they probably don't know. Or they just... Yeah, there's that miseducation part there. They wouldn't have... Like you don't learn that in school. You don't... If your parents don't do it, like how would you know? How would you know otherwise? Right. That's where I always say like, it's not your fault. But now that you know... Now you have the opportunity to change it. And if you don't, I don't want to say it's not your fault, but it is it, it is really important to be aware of it. So, and I just think people just aren't aware of it. And it's too bad. Like, again, like my friend who eventually actually died, it's like her comment of, you know, going into Safeway and assuming it was safe and it wasn't was like the obvious, you know, like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't, I yeah. wish I could change that for you. I know. And then we also like Whole Foods and other industries, like you assume everything is whole and... But you actually look in the ingredients there too of what's in their buffet style and all those things. I'm like, ooh, that's not even... So you would assume that going there, everything would be healthy for you, but not always. So it is important to know what you're putting in. I also think too, it's important for people to know why they're craving certain things, right? Mm. So they know that something's maybe not good for them, but they're just like, I need to have that chocolate cake. And they just, they know it's not good for them and they, they're they fully aware. But then really looking into like, huh, maybe if I crave it every time before my period, maybe my hormones, like for people to start to realize in their own system, like, oh, every time I get in a fight with my husband, I want to eat that, whatever. So recognizing that and saying like, hey, now I need to reach out to a professional and mm. say, how can I help balance this so I don't crave those things so it is easier to follow that. Yeah, we had a food psychologist food psychologist on here and she was talking about how food is a state changer. So if you're in a state you don't like, you want a dopamine rush, so you go and grab what's in the pantry because you're like I'm miserable in my brain right now. Let me get some dopamine right away. And it's like a physiological pull that we are if you're not aware of it, it's so easy to fall into it. So she had some ideas of like creating state changers throughout your day where you just go, right, like you just have like times you turn on great music or you have a three o'clock dance party in your house or little things that you are already have pre-programmed for you that are healthier than going and grabbing a bunch of bad food. Exactly. So just kind of like checking in on those trends, right? And we know too, even when it comes to cancer cells, they are horrible energy producers. So most mm. people that have cancer, they crave sugar quite a bit because it's that quick energy fix, right? And so learning that what you can do for how to balance your cells and your hormones and really it drastically changes what you crave as well. 
Yeah. And where do you think supplements fit into this? So, you know, again, I'm just going into the mind of our listeners and thinking, okay, hopefully you guys are getting like, let's look at your toxic load. Let's look at your hormonal balance. Let's look at your uh, microbiome. Like there's so many things with lifestyle that we can do there. Then there's a time and place for supplements. How do you decide what supplements, how long, you know, and, and help our listeners figure that out for their, their own selves? Yeah, it's just one more piece of the puzzle. Exactly. And so if we just recognize that almost all of us don't get the nutrition we need from food, like even on the perfect diet, you can assume that with all the things as far as absorption and breaking it down and stress, all of that, I think supplementing is just one extra way of knowing that we can shift that paradigm into a whole nother direction. So kind of just like up-leveling any treatment plan that you're on. I don't, I'm not a big fan of like being on the same supplement all the time and just kind of switching it up. But yeah, me neither. Every three months, I'd say like blood work, looking at how you're feeling and then switching to something else as your blood work is changing as well. Yeah. I always point out that it is a supplement, which means you supplement your healthy lifestyle. So no matter what your chronic disease is or your health situation, let's start with lifestyle. Now in cancer, there's a little more of the clock is ticking. Let's let's come in strong. But we have gotten really addicted to supplements in our culture. And I I don't know if you see this, but I see a lot of people who are like, well, I don't want to take the medication anymore, but I'll come over here and take the supplement. And then I'm going to take it all the time over and over and over again. And I agree with you after 90 days, I'm like, just throw it away because you're wasting your money. Your body's not adapting to it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, yeah, to be dependent on anything, no, you shouldn't look at it as a drug and you need to have that because your body should be able to do that on its own. But from just like a nutrient standpoint, I know in the clinic, like when they're coming in here, every hour to hour and a half, we're giving them something that's supplementing. So whether that's like multi-minerals, the enzymes, chlorella, spirulina. So like every hour and a half, because we know that their body just needs all of that attention. But that doesn't mean they do that for the rest of their life. It's really just like up-leveling them so they have that inertia to go forward, right? Yeah, that, that, I think that's a brilliant idea. What, what do you think as far as... So if somebody gets a diagnosis, when do they make the decision to try to do stuff on their own? Or when do they go to a clinic like yours? Like you have something called a cancer retreat. How do, how do you make that decision? Because I do think that sometimes people you know, are like, well, they can easily adopt what the medical doctor is saying, which is show up for chemo and radiation and don't worry about your food. For some people, that might seem like an easier path. They could listen to a podcast like this and start juicing. But at some point, you need somebody to put a system together. How do you make that decision? Typically, like I want to say 90% of the people that come here is because what they're doing already is not working. It's not Mm. working. Their cancer is growing. They're feeling horrible. They're just on a plan or on a a journey that's just not... It's not working anymore. And so that's when they know they need to immerse themselves into something that's drastically changing the outcome. I rarely get someone who's just in stage one or they're recently diagnosed. Like That would be amazing. And I would love to attract more like first get diagnosed. Okay, let's clean up your system and do everything possible to make you even stronger going into chemotherapy. But... Tend, I tend to see the ones that are more desperate and they say, okay, nothing is... We're not making any shifts or any wins in this process. So now I need to make that change. But I bet they're, I bet they're willing to do anything at that moment. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think... Uh, this is another like 
philosophical life question I've been asking myself. I haven't had anybody talk to about it, so you're perfect. What, what do you think, how do we get everybody else to think like the cancer patient, just like the diabetic? The diabetic has to watch how much sugar comes in. How do we get everybody to watch how much the sugar comes in? The cancer patient, it's, it's do or die time. Yeah. So how do we get everybody to take their nutrition and health that seriously? I think a big problem is people don't really know. A lot of people don't know what it feels like to feel amazing. They've mm. never experienced the green on the other side. They've never... So for them, the motivation is like, oh, I like to go into like drastically shifting your life and making really healthy choices and feeling amazing, they don't even really know what that feels like. So yeah, to have that motivation to take on such a, like to feel great, usually it has to be as sad as that is to have a diagnosis of something. So to attract those people, I think it's really just being that role model and saying like, wow, I feel so good. I feel like maybe just role modeling it, right? And then people yeah. say, okay, I want to feel like that without having to have cancer or diabetes or a chronic disease in order to make that shift, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of limiting beliefs that we have around health. You know, I, uh, with menopause, we see this all the time where it's like, oh, I'm supposed to gain weight. I'm supposed to get hot flashes. I'm supposed to not be able to sleep. These are all just societal beliefs that we believe. Or people who walk around and go, well, I'm overweight because my parents were overweight. That's those, what I really am going to spend my life trying to do is help people see that you don't have to be your genetics. You don't have to be your diagnosis. That if you follow a certain lifestyle, that you can overcome all of that. But it's hard to move people into action until the fear hits them. And I, I'd really like to like that to change. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Mindset is a big part of it and not really understanding epigenetics, right? And how we have so much power to shift things. Because yeah, I hear that all the time too. It's like, oh, my mom had this and I'm going to have heavy periods now too, because my mom did. Right. It's like, no, <laughs> but you'll probably adapt a lot of those lifestyle things that your parents had, right? And you'll probably have those same eating habits. But yeah, to really know that we have that amazing power to overcome all conditions across the board, right? I've seen stage four cancers totally shift around just because they believe that they can. So mm -hmm. knowing that you can is so powerful. Yeah. And what do you say to the person who gets a diagnosis and struggles to believe it's their fault that they got it? And I, and I think this is a really important fine line of integrative health is that what I believe integrative health is saying is you are more powerful than your diagnosis and you can overcome it. And what I think other people hear sometimes is that you, because you can overcome it with lifestyle, then it was your crappy lifestyle that got you in this place and now it's your fault you got this diagnosis. Do you see that? Well, oh my gosh, I just did a talk recently to a women, to a group. It was between the ages of 25 and 40 who all had cancer. And at the end of the talk, one of the girls listening, she was actually crying. She's like, I feel like this triggered me because my uncle told me it was my fault that I got cancer and I deserve to get it because of my lifestyle choices. And I just feel like the fact that only 90% uh, or sorry, 
10 to 15% of cancers are just truly genetic. The rest is lifestyle. She basically felt like that's what the talk was about. Like, oh, if you did this differently, you wouldn't have gotten cancer, right? But it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're swishing around to making you more empowered and learning about the things that we have control over. So it is that miseducation. We're just not raised that way. All the pollutants and marketing and all the things that we're believed to think it's like, no, we have that power to switch it around. So no, it's not your fault. But if you're ignorant to it, and you really worked hard to build a disease process, then that's a different situation. But it's never like, oh, you deserve to get this. Like nobody deserves that. Right, exactly. And one of the things that I like to point out is that there's an, and I know you and I speak the same language, there's an intelligence inside of you that's always working for you. And sometimes when you get bombarded with physical, emotional, chemical stress, that intelligence gets overwhelmed and it cannot keep working. It's still working for you. It's just, it's like it's got 10 times the job that it, it is meant to have. And so these cells, cancer cells and inflammation and all that can grow. So your job is to just remove the interference so that you can allow that intelligence to really proliferate and maximize. Well, I remember listening to a um, really amazing expert named Dr. Mindy doing a talk about <laughs> <laughs> even just like the process of conception, right? Like our body just knows how to yep. create a baby. And even when we cut ourselves, like we know that we can just heal. And so that that exact same intelligence, yes, our body knows what to do when we re- remove these these factors or these obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. And I, this is like my, another one of my big ahas is like, there is, we are built so well. We are, there are miracles happening in us all day long, but the programming in the world is telling you you're powerless. And in this pandemic, we have learned this more than ever. I think somebody like you who sits with somebody who has been given a fatal diagnosis and sees it reversed, like we have to undo the programming so we can come back to the belief in ourselves. And I, I, that is vastly missing in our, in our culture right now. So t- t- talk a little bit about your clinic because you guys have some biohacking stuff, kind of like what we have in ours. So I'm kind of curious what you use for cancer and why you use it. Give us a little tour of what, what goes on in your clinic for healing. Okay. So we've really created an environment that's very uh, relaxed and laid back. So we have a lot of lounge chairs so people can actually just in between treatments, they can enjoy the process and all the juices are freshly like organic and made for them. So they literally don't have to do any work. So the juicing part and the supplement parts are all organized on a schedule where they just, the nurse comes and gives it to them. But Throughout the day, so it'd be like a nine to four, sometimes nine to five day. First, the first day they would see our chiropractor who does neurofunctional acupuncture and he does a full on assessment to know what does your spine look like? Because if your nervous system isn't working optimally, you're not going to be able to, the nerves that feed your gut, that feed the tumor site, that anything so that's, yeah. So that was one piece that is huge as as far as what we do. And the chiropractor here, he is also my husband. He would see- I was going to say, isn't it your husband? You yeah. make him sound like he's just some Josh Kapapi. Well, he's also, he's also my employee. <laughs> but he would- um, I, I love it. I never really, to be honest, because the, the chiropractors, 
from Ontario, they were more what he calls the flying seven. So they would just do, I don't know, like more just pain-based, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I never really thought there was a need for chiropractic if it wasn't neck pain, back pain. Mm. When I was looking at when he would show me the x-rays and the imaging and he would show me actually like what nerves feed what and how powerful when you get the spine aligned, how that can just approve all the symptoms. So he can sometimes see someone even like six times, like do six adjustments each day of that of that week. And then he would also do acupuncture as well, but with electrostim. So if there's Ooh. any nerve damage from chemo or whatever the case is, we can make sure that nervous system is just kind of woken up to help. Mm-hmm. Um, we also we also put a big part into um, getting lymphatic system moving. So we have oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So most people who are ill, they don't want to go for a walk or for a run. Like they just have zero motive. Like either they're in pain or they're just really tired. So we go on what are called vibe plates. Uh, mm-hmm. Pedibon has their vibe plates. Yep. Where you would go on that three times in the day. And so you're literally just standing on this vibration plate that gets your lymphatic system moving, but also helps even the cardiovascular system, even just like help with any swelling, et cetera. So that we also do colon hydrotherapy. So every day, sometimes even twice a day, we'd be doing colonics. So it's really cool what we're seeing coming out of that, whether it's parasites. What do you see? Yeah, I was going to say, what do you see? We've seen like some pretty crazy things where some people are like, oh, I go to the bathroom every single day. Like I don't need to have colonics because I have such good movement there. But we'll be seeing like literally cherry pits coming out of this colon that they knew that they swallowed from like a birthday party five years ago. Oh my gosh. So we're seeing oh my gosh. even like someone had a full like portobello mushroom, not chewed, coming out of this colonic. So we're seeing things where we're like, hmm, your digestive system needs a lot of work. Yeah, it's not breaking that stuff down. Yeah. Right. And they sometimes they'll even see um, supplements coming out. They'll see people where they're just like not chewing or not so their gut just cannot break it down. So it's a good assessment tool as well. So we can say like, okay, all these supplements you're spending thousands of dollars on are just going right through the toilet. Fascinating. Fascinating. So that we use that as like to clean up, but also I like to get the colon therapist report to know, okay, we need to work on a couple things here. So it's a great assessment tool. Love that. We also do um, high dose vitamin C. So We know that low-dose vitamin C is powerful antioxidants, but at a high dose, it turns into a pro-oxidant. So it actually converts to peroxides in the body and has a direct anti-cancer effect and also boosts the immune system. So every single day, they'll be doing high-dose vitamin C therapy. And depending on the person, we might even add in more nutritional IVs as well. So whatever condition that they have, we can help boost their energy and just the numbness or anything that they have to support them. Um, what else? Oh, we have uh, ozone sauna. Oh, mm-hmm. what's so, that? What's an ozone sauna? So it's basically like you're in this uh, cabinet where your head is sticking out and you're blasting in heat. So once your pores are open, we would actually have the ozone. So oxygen and then converting to ozone with the generator. Um, and they would be sitting in this for about 20 minutes. And it's really cool because it's the only, it's the fastest way I found to get rid of heavy metals. Oh, so, interesting. I'll have to look into that. Oh, yeah. But everyone who sits into this sauna, we have them sit on this white towel. And by the end of the treatment, there's like black streaks coming out. Like they're just oh deep, they're sweating out. Mercury is the only one that would turn into a vapor, but all other metals you can see coming out of the skin. So, so, so we cool. have them 
do that every day. And sometimes if they're really just cold and their metabolic rate is just so low, we would have them do that twice a day. And then after most treatments, so even during an IV or after a colonic, we'd have them lie on the PEMF mat. And we try to do that three times a day as well. So we're really looking at their health as a full-time job. So nine to five, they're bombarded Mm. with all of these services. And we also have an amazing therapist here too, who um, just to help with the mental, emotional, and just kind of like talking about breathing, right? Like just the importance of sitting and taking a breath. So yeah, that's amazing. What you create have created, I, I can't imagine a lot of people have created that. That is so massively important. And I can see why you're getting the results that you guys are getting. And what, do people come for a week, two weeks? Like how does that typically work? It's usually three. After one week, like they unbelievable see every week we do blood work too, just to see like what their liver enzymes look like, their blood sugar. We just get inflammation markers. And so every week when we say, wow, like from five, just five days of following this intensive plan, you've drastically shifted everything. So that's kind of like the tip of the iceberg. So most people who are chronically ill, they need three weeks. For the general, like I would do, I do programs like this for myself and I don't I have any. I was thinking, as you were talking, I'm like, I'm coming to visit and I don't have a diagnosis, but I'm all about prevention. So, right. And so I'd say for myself, I do something like this once a year just to like do a thorough, you cannot get a more thorough cleanup than doing yep. this. And what's nice is we are attached to Airbnbs, like um, condos here. So people would fly in from the States, from all over Canada and just live, like take an elevator upstairs. They come down for the treatments. So that's amazing. That's amazing. What part of Canada are you in? In Ontario, just like an hour from Toronto. Okay. And someday they'll open the borders back up so we can actually travel. I know. (laughs) Hopefully, fingers crossed. Okay. What about now you've written a book on breast cancer. And so are are there, what's in the book that's different than either what we talked about or what can people expect from your book? So it is really a step-by-step guide. What I wanted to do is give people the exact tools and protocols that they can apply on their own. Because exactly, if you can't travel here from wherever you're from because because of COVID, then you can use this book as a tool and find practitioners to do these things through. So like, for yourself, for example, like finding an excellent chiropractor, taking advantage of PEMF treatments, finding a naturopath or another professional to do IV treatments. So you can really like take the pieces and find these professionals to create your own healthy living plan. Yeah, it's so brilliant and so necessary. I think, again, you know, the purpose of this conversation was really to help people see how you put a health plan together. And if you've been given a scary diagnosis, it's, you know, to do all the things you're talking about on your own takes takes superhuman strength. So I, I love that you could fly into a clinic for three weeks and, and get yourself completely cleaned up. What if I wanted to come to you and just do a prevention? How many... What, do you have a lot of people that do that? So usually there's a reason that they want... So we've done this program, not as intense, but similar, where it's just for weight loss. People who just want to take off... 20 pounds and literally within one week time, they just drop so much inflammation and swelling. So usually there's a motivational factor or if they have like brain fog, a lot of people are just striving to feel more clarity and just to feel more energy. So that's another reason. So prevention, I haven't had people generally be attracted to by that, but that would be amazing, right? That'd be so incredible if we looked at, wow, you can prevent yourself from... Yeah, like that would be incredible. Usually it's that motivating factor of like, oh, I could have more energy or... Yeah, 
No, it's such, I love what you guys are doing. Okay, let's finish up with this. This is my favorite part of every interview, which is I have five questions for you. And some of them relate to health and some of them don't. So let's start with the first one. For you personally, what are five things that you do consistently on a daily basis for your health that you would not switch out? Like those are your tried and true health habits. Okay, one of them is my greens shake. I do a power green shake every morning. Um, the second one, I have a mini trampoline in every room of my house. And so, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, maybe not every room, but like three of the rooms. So while I'm waiting for dinner to be ready or while I'm before I put the kids to bed, um, I'll be jumping a good 10 minutes a day. Water with chlorophyll. I'm always putting chlorophyll. I'll never just drink. Well, sometimes I will, but the chlorophyll is the big one. So that was three. Some type of... So besides from trampoline, I would do um, dancing. I'll put on some music and just let my body do something different and get into a different mindset. The other one is lately, even more now, I'm picking up some reading that's different than a medical reference or something that's more educational. I'll do more mindset learning about more spirituality and mental health. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Which leads me to my next question. What's the best book you've read this year? Okay. So I can't believe I haven't read A Return to Love yet. So that was uh-huh. by far my favorite book this year. And then also The divine, the Law of Divine Compensation, both Marianne yep. Williamson. That is just unbelievable. I love the way that she's written that book and changes your perspective. Oh, yeah. No. And it's one of those books you read it and then you're like, I got to go back and read that again. That was so good. And so like simple and mind-blowing. And that's to me the sign of a really good author when they can expand your thinking like that. So And also too, I I have those two books kind of just sitting by my bed. So even if like I can't sleep at a certain time or I just find that I'm just thinking about other things, I'll just read even like five pages of it. And I'm like, oh, I feel so much more at peace. And this is so nice. Right. Oh, I love it. Okay. You're um, standing in the grocery store. I love to give the hypothetical grocery store question. And somebody tells you they have a diagnosis of cancer. What's what's your first advice to them? Do the opposite of what your doctor's telling you. Sorry, no, that's <laughs> that's okay. that could be it. That could be it. Listen, say, you're allowed Ooh. to say anything. I should have told you you could swear on this show too. Yeah, my my advice to them was just question everything that they're being told. Don't believe just one person. Yeah, I, I love that question everything. I always tell people in our Resetter Tribe, question me. Don't just take my word for it. Let me show the lo- you the logic. Let me show you the science. And then you go and, and figure it out what's right for you. We can't, Again, we have to stop giving our power away to any kind of doctor and learn how to move our own health forward. So right, absolutely agree with that. Okay, what do you think the biggest lesson you've learned from working with so many people who have been given a fatal diagnosis? Do you have, what's like your biggest aha? Oh my goodness. So really just being grateful for every day. You just have a whole different perspective on life, really. So the things that we stress about every day and think are just so important, urgent, and we need to get done, you just really kind of step back and like, wow, why am I so rushed about that? And why do I put importance into those things? So it helps just kind of putting life in perspective and like what really makes you happy and how to really enjoy each day and be grateful. 
I love that. I agree. Absolutely. Okay. My last one, I ask everybody this question. If you had one message for the world that you could get implanted into everybody's brain, every human on the planet, what would it be? That your body is incredible and it can do anything. It's really having that strong knowing that you can just transform once given the right skills. Yeah. Awesome. I love this. Well, Lori, thank you so much for taking your time and I'm just in awe of what you're doing in your clinic. And just, it it can't be an easy thing to put all those pieces together to be able to help people. And I can't believe you guys have done that. So thank you for the amazing work you're doing in the world. Where can people find you? So you can go to drlori.ca, so D-R-L-O-R-I.ca, and you can reach out if you want to see if this is something that you want to approach with your health or if you have any questions for me, that's something you can directly book an appointment through that site. That's awesome. And your book, how do we get your book? So on that, exactly, drlaurie.ca, you can get a free copy of my book through that site as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for showing up so with such great information and such a huge heart. And yeah, together we'll save the world. This is, the, I know you and I share a very similar mission. So I love being on this journey with you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me too. It's been an honor. Thank you. Uh-huh. Nothing that I love to talk about more than wine. So I got to tell you about Dry Farm Wines, which is my absolute favorite place to get wine from for many different reasons. One, they're keto friendly. You didn't hear that wrong. They are literally keto friendly. They have no added sugars, no added toxins, and they will leave you feeling amazing the next morning. So go check out their website. Not only is the wine incredible, but the people behind the wine are amazing. You guys know how I love people who are on a mission to serve the world. Well, Todd White and his crew are on a mission to help people drink healthy wines and enjoy the whole experience. So they taste amazing. And if you go to dryfarmwines.com backslash Dr. Mindy Pels, they will actually send you a bottle for a penny. So give it a try. Let me know what you think. And cheers to an incredible wine experience. Okay, Resetters. So what I'm hoping you got out of this interview is that there's a process to putting your health back together. And I think one of the things that I was really looking forward to discussing with Dr. Bouchard is how she goes about that process with cancer patients. Because we live in this weird healthcare world where when we get a diagnosis, we think there's only one or two things to do. But in reality, there's a whole lifestyle that needs to change. And if you change that lifestyle, you can really start to overcome some of these scary diagnoses. And that was really my takeaway is how many pieces, like, holy cow, their clinic, including like how many things they put together. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I think too, you know, where we come from this one pill, like one thing, one therapy that's going to like cure whatever you have. And I also think one of the things that I loved about what she said was it's not just a short change that you're making. This is like, this is a lifestyle. Like your health is a journey. There's not, oh, I'm going to do this for two weeks and then revert back to what I was doing before. That's not the way that works. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that it was interesting to me to hear what they're doing in their clinic, especially around the juice fasting, because I will be really honest that typically I've been, it was pro-juice fasting for many years, and then I was anti-juice fasting because of the sugar content. I'm pro-green juice fasting. I think the green juices, and I'm starting to think of it as a really cool tool to break a fast with. So I was really pleased to hear how they do an 18-6 window. And if you didn't catch that, that's 18 hours of fasting and six hours of juicing. I thought that was really creative way to, to be able to get the benefits of fasting and not spike your blood sugar. Yeah. Because we got a lot of people that, I mean, when we've talked to like Alyssa Goodman and stuff, the the power of green juice and all of that, but we forget the fasting component of it that you've got to mm. still add in. And if you haven't listened to Dr. Nasha's interview, go back and listen to that because she really talked about the power of fasting with cancer in particular. But I loved that she implemented that as well. Also, yeah. how awesome is it that she has a coffee and juice bar in her clinic? Oh my gosh. No, I want to go. I was, that was my takeaway as I'm listening. Cause I, you know, we're all about, let's do as many healthy things as we can. And I'm like, I'm, I want to go and do prevention. And I know that they really are working with people who need to turn a di- diagnosis around quickly. I'm like, that's amazing. But I also think that they would be an incredible place to go for a few days to just do some preventative work. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking when you said that, I'm like, well, we have half of the things that she has there, here. I think it's just that you would be forced to only concentrate on those things oh, you're if right. you're there versus <laughs> here we get distracted because I'm like, we have most of those things. Yeah. I'll set you up a coffee and juice bar right out there if you'd like. <laughs> We do. This is true. We right? have a, yeah, we have the PEMF and we have the HBOT and we have the SADA. So this is true. And the red laser and meditation. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I guess the colonics, you got to go do that at home. But <laughs> what do you think about what she said about the colonics, the stuff coming out? It's crazy. I mean, it makes sense though, because I think so many people are walking around like not understanding that They've got gut dysbiosis, right? Like if you don't look bloated or you're not having pain, I must feel fine. I must be fine. But I think, I mean, we've heard about this with Zach Bush. I think there's a lot of gut dysbiosis, a lot of gut damage, a lot of leaky gut going on that people don't even know. And then you do something like that and you see all this undigested food, you know, Yeah. And the supplements, I thought, oh, that would be so cool. Like to know if somebody's getting, digesting their supplements or not, like that would be incredible and a a very useful tool. So now you would have to find out if they were like bad supplements, you know, like if they were doing bad supplements, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. But if they were doing good supplements and not breaking them down, then yeah, that's pretty, that's gut dysbiosis. That makes sense to me. Now, what do you think about like, so colonics versus like coffee enemas or ozone enemas, like what are the difference between all of those? Yeah, it's so I I almost dove into that a little deeper with her because my understanding with a straight on colonic is it can be very forceful for the microbiome. Mm. I'd actually love to bring Dr. Zach Bush on and ask him because he's in my mind, the expert of the microbiome. So, but so I'm not so much of a, I feel like it's very forceful. Mm. Now, if you did ozone with them, that would be a great, ozone's very healing. So the ozone IVs, ozone enemas, like there's so many incredible healing powers of ozone. Coffee enemas, 
It's a little different with coffee enemas because what you're doing is you're using the caffeine to create a dilation of the liver and the common bile duct. So you're, you're purposely trying to get the caffeine up high into the liver area. Mm. And that's what the coffee enema does. Now, having said all of that, I do know that there are colonics that will do all the, they'll give you a clonic, they'll do the enema, like they do it all in one oh, go. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that would be, the, to me, the, the most helpful way to go about it. Okay. Um, my only ex- personal experience with colonics was when I had chronic fatigue syndrome 30 years ago. And I realized that I had candida and I went to go get a series of clonics. And after the first clonic, I could barely get in the car to drive home. I was living in LA at the time and I was it, the clonic was in Venice Beach. And I had to get back to Santa Monica and I was driving home. My brain fog was so bad. My ringing in my ears was horrendous. And I literally walked in the front door of my apartment and just crashed on my couch because I couldn't, I couldn't, like it had stirred up the candida in such a big way. Interesting. And I hated it. Now I didn't know about binders then and I didn't know I wasn't taking any supplements to kill that candida off, but it felt like somebody had taken a muddy pond and just stirred the whole thing up. Did you go back? I I went back two two more times and I still didn't feel fabulous. Hmm. So it was like, I felt like it was agitating things more than helping. The binders, you're right. Like the binders could have been a brilliant thing to be adding into that. Yeah. I didn't know back then about binders. And so I, I, I should have asked her about that. Like, what did, did, do they use binders? I think I really love how they had a system where, and I love this for anybody with chronic disease, where you can just come in, check in and have a whole experience of getting your health back on track, making it a priority. Yeah, I think that's that we, whenever I hear stories like this, my brain thinks, how do I reproduce that in my everyday life? Mm. You know, with cancer, especially, it's like, I don't want ever to get a cancer diagnosis. So what can I learn from her story? What can I learn from her clinic that I can do now in my life so that I don't ever have to be forced to do it? Yeah. Well, and I think it just starts with, well, we'll go back to the principle of self-love. So making enough time to do things like, and I, you know, I think one of the things that I love that she touched on was the mental and emotional aspect mm-hmm. of cancer and the people that you're surrounding yourself with. These are all things that we have control over. They're all things that we should be making time in our day because ultimately they're more important, but yet we don't, we don't prioritize self-care. We're not taught to prioritize self-care until something happens. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's something that we need to start teaching kids from a young age is like self-care is super important. The people you surround yourself are important so that you don't end up in this spot of being diagnosed with cancer, having a, a chronic illness that now you're being forced to figure out and pay for and make time for. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I think that's the biggest, my biggest lesson from dealing with several cancer patients and being at the bedside of them dying and like there's something about watching somebody die from cancer that in your head at least for me it was like i never ever ever want that to be me mm-hmm. so what can i do now so that's that's never me and i remember that um with lanny what we would do is we would hold these health talks in the clinic and she had breast cancer that had metastasized to her body and eventually to her liver 
And she would, when we started doing the health talks, invite all of her friends to come and listen to the talk. And Lanny's intention was for people to like learn what they could do now so they didn't end up in her her shoes. And at the end of the talk, she would always get so irate because she's like, my friends think they're coming here to support me. Like I've invited them to a talk because I, they just, they, they want to show up and support me, but they don't understand that I brought them here so that they don't end up like me. Yep. And it was like, they didn't make that connection. Yeah. We have that backwards thinking, right? Like it's, it's not important until it's right in your face and you're now having to deal with it. And that's, it's like, I feel like every one of these podcasts have that same principle foundation of do something to take care of your health today. And I feel like we've screamed that from the rooftops for like the past, at least since I've known you and you've probably been screaming it even longer. Yeah. It's like, do something to take care of yourself. We're not just saying this so that you, you know, buy these supplements or eat these kind of foods. Like we're saying it so that you, you do something to where you're not sitting, you know, five, 10 years down the road with a diagnosis that's dramatically going to shift and impact the people around you. So, yeah. What'd you think of her? I love how she added to the toxic list, toxic people. Okay. I love the idea of wearing a blood glucose monitor all day long. And <laughs> that is probably what I remember the most out of that whole, I was like, that is a brilliant idea. It's actually a great idea. I it's just fabulous. It. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to I do think that. We're going to, because we're bringing on the gal to talk about her blood glucose monitor. I think we should, I think we yes. should ask her like, can we, we'd like to try one out so we can walk around and see who's causing our blood sugar to rise. I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. And one think about too, like it would be so cool to try on some, some patients here and see what their blood glucose is after getting adjusted or after getting a massage or on the PMF or the HBOT. Like that'd be so fun to see and watch oh, those. Incredible. Oh, yeah. be, it would be really eye-opening. So yeah, I can't wait to talk to Stay her. Stay tuned. Okay. And then what did you think? Okay. So we've had a lot of conversations here on this podcast about carnivore and keto. Mm. And, and this is the first one that has been really so all in with plant-based. And I think there's something to glean from, from that lesson. There's something interesting there. What did you think of all like the Corella she's drinking and the, how much she emphasizes plant-based foods? I don't know. I'm conflicted because especially the last couple of weeks have been very like plant-based is toxic or plants are toxic. That's been our last couple episodes. And you see people like we see all the amazing results people are having on carnivore with some gut challenges and things like that. But then I mean, she's also healing people doing right. I, I feel like it goes back to this principle of if you think it will help you, like it's probably going to help you. So I've heard before what she said about you know, somebody goes off, off rail, off their diet for one day, and then they sit there and they guilt themselves over the cupcake that they had for 12 hours. Well, that's not serving your body at all. Cause you're just stressing out about the cupcake you had for 12 hours. Like that's doing way more damage to your body than the act of yep. eating the cupcake. Now don't go eating cupcakes every day. But I've, I've heard that before about the power of intention behind what you're doing and how that can be just as impactful as what you're doing. So I, I yep. kind of start to wonder, okay, well, if you're all in on plant-based and you love it and you're appreciating the heck out of the plants you're eating, then maybe it serves you. And if you're all over yep. here on carnivore and you're loving the heck out of your organ meats, then maybe that serves you. I, yep. I don't know. It's so hard to say. So I yesterday our, our bait and plow box came 
I love our spirit And it has box. my, oh, and it, it's just, I look in and I like get a dopamine rush and they have this amazing lettuce. I don't know if you've get this in your box, but the lettuce is just really unique. And some of the lettuces are actually a little Is it the sweet. little, is it the little buttery, like yes. little tiny leaves? Yes. We got some of those. They're called like, there's the name of like Satovia or something like that. They had it at the farmer's market. Anyways, I, so I usually use up this lettuce really quickly. And so last night I started to build myself a salad. And then I started thinking of all the toxins in the (laughs) lettuce. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait. Uh, You know, just a month ago, I was making the salad and I was thinking, this is going to be so healthy for me. Right. Oh my God. And now I've had some conversations with some carnivore lovers and I'm like, I don't want to flip flop always on my thoughts around things that once were healthy that now are bad. So is there a moment where th- these two theories can exist together and can they both be true? Can we hold the space that plants are healthy and doing carnivore is healthy. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I, and so I caught myself and realized I'm going to make this salad. It's going to be amazing. And I'm going to, I'm going to set the intention that my body loves it. And what I was thinking as she was talking about how different hormonal cancers have to be plant-based, they shouldn't be meat. And I was thinking, you know, I, I'm going to put carnivore in the place, the diet of it's a detox diet to be done in short amounts. And it is a, for autoimmune conditions, it can be incredibly healing because it regenerates these T regulatory cells. So, and when you have more T regulatory cells, your immune system calms down. Well, in the cancer patient, there is different needs. Those needs for T regulatory cells are not as important. So we need more just like a boosting of the immune system. We don't always need a suppression of the immune system. So that's where plant-based would come in. So I do think as these new diets are emerging, we need to find like a, a category to put each one of them in. And then those of us that are healthy and in a prevention place, this is why we believe in diet variation. Well, I would just right. do them all. Yeah, I think, and I think that's why, I mean, I would think you would agree. We loved Bill Schindler's talk so much is because, you know, if you listen to that podcast episode, he talks about at the beginning of time, people were eating little tiny bugs, some nuts right. and some berries. So, you know, cows and chickens aren't even on that Weren't list, even around, right? Yeah. So I think I loved his philosophy of like, we, we can eat some of these things and but it's not meant to be every day. So the person that's eating the spinach smoothie every day, like spinach wasn't meant to be grown all year round, eaten every day. It's all meant to be within the variation. Whereas I think, you know, if you look at your salad, your salads are always different. They're always adding in different variations of whatever's in season. So I think salads for you serve you because you're already doing it in the variation. Yeah, agreed. And I know this is a hard concept. Yesterday, I was on a um, our Reset Academy call. We were discussing the different things that I had learned from the people that we had in. We've been interviewing, and I got. A, I was able to field questions from our resetters and like listen to where they're getting stuck. And a couple of things that sort of were ahas for me is that we still, when we go realize that lifestyle is important, then we want to pick one lifestyle. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a vegan, I'm a keto, I'm this. So this idea that we need to use variation as a lifestyle is, is very confusing. And it makes sense to people. So it's funny because the, intuitively they, it makes sense, but then the how-to is difficult. 
And this is where I think you got to experiment with it all. Try it, be your own research study and understand what feels the best for you. When do you, do you get bloated after a meal? Do you get tired after a meal? Like start to tap into the subtle changes after you're eating. Yeah, I think people, I think all that makes sense. And I think people intuitively get it, but you go back to this one thing. It's just going to be one thing. It's going to be one diet. We want, it's like the aspect of comfort that, oh my gosh, I can't even remember who was, who we were talking about. Oh, Drew Manning. Drew Manning. It's the aspect of being comfortable. So it's easier if I'm just eating keto, then I eat these things. And if I'm just eating carnivore, then I just eat these things. And this is how my life is. And every day it's going to be like this. Whereas it's a lot harder to go in between different variations. It's harder to do variations in exercise. People get so comfortable in their routines and what they're eating, what they're exercising, who they're around, that we don't... It's like a mind block that we have. So I think people intuitively get the diet variation makes sense. Like watermelons aren't grown all year round. Pineapples aren't grown all year round. Yet we still eat them all year round because it's, it's, it's a comfort. It's a system. It's easy. And so you have to work to get out of those pa- routines and patterns. So that's why I lo- I keep in my head is like, we have to rise above the rhetoric. We have to rise above the dogma of nutrition. Like we've got to come up and get a bigger picture and a bigger view mm-hmm. that their variation matters. And it's variation of your diet, variation or fasting, variation of your a social life, variation of your travel. Like the brain and body does well with variation. But there is this human need to feel safe and secure in the routine. So I, there's like a constant battle between those two things that I think as humans, we, we have. Yeah. And when it comes to health, this is why customizing your own path is so important. Exactly. And not getting hooked into, well, my best friend did the, the carnivore diet, so I'm great now. Or, you know, somebody else went and did a juice cleanse and they were healed of cancer. So that's my path. It's, right. it's challenging and exciting to me all at the same time. It's challenging, but how empowering is it that you oh, don't yeah. have to listen to somebody else and how somebody else did something? Like you can try something out for you and make it work for you. Like that's so empowering. Yep. You got to be willing to tap into it. There's, have you heard a couple of our guests have had this concept intuitive eating? Mm-hmm. And now you could go, you could go south quite quickly with it. Well, yeah, because if you got candida and you're craving donuts all day, like that's not going to serve you. I intuitively want a glass of wine right now. (laughs) But I think there is something about intuitive eating, which would be like knowing your body. And this is what we teach when we teach kids how, when parents ask us how to teach their kids to fast. I'm like, just let's figure out what their normal eating window is because they probably already have a fasting window and an eating window, especially the younger ones. The challenge is that we've like programmed to eat breakfast, eat lunch, eat dinner. Like we have them programmed to a clock and we beat that intuitiveness out of them. And then when we become adults and we're trying to put our health back together, we have to go back to that little child that we were and figure out what was our intuitive eating pattern. And I think that would really be something that I hope people can take from all of our people we've interviewed is that there's something, some truth in everything they're saying. And then you take those pieces and figure out intuitively what's right for you. And this is why we do the resets that we do every couple of months is so that you can have an experience of all these eating styles and then in a more controlled environment. So I still go to the fact that we are on, we are N of one and we are on the journey to find our own, our own path. Yes, exactly. 
So, okay, Resetters, hope you loved that. And go check out our website. If you have been given a diagnosis, I'll tell you what I thought. When I heard her talk about her clinic, I was like, well, if I was ever given a diagnosis, she would be the first place I would go. Yep. So I love what she's created there. You put the whole foods in, you take all empty foods out, you put organic food in, and you shake bad toxins out. You eat ketobiotic and your microbiome shouts, that's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in, you take overeating out, you put the good fats in, trying seven fast types out. You download Carb Manager where your food is all graphed out, that's what it's all about, that's what resetting is all about.